Ashley Brock reading The Last Mercenary, Chapter 4. Look on Callie's face was priceless. How did you know? She asked him. Micah talks about you a lot. <laughs> that was a shocker. I didn't think you wanted anybody to know I even existed, she pointed out. Well, let's just say that he has an ambiguous feelings about you. Ambiguous, right. Plainly stated, he couldn't stand her. But if that was true, why did he come himself to rescue her instead of just sending his men? She drew in a breath as he tended to her. Am I going to be okay? <laughs> You're going to be good as new in a few days. Come on, trust me. Micah seems to. He should. I taught him everything he knows about surgery. <laughs> he chuckled. I was a year ahead of him when we were in graduate school, and I took classes for one of the professions, professors occasionally. She smiled. You're very good. So was he, he replied grimly. She hesitated, but curiosity prodded her. If it wouldn't be breaking any solemn oaths, could you tell me why he didn't finish his residency? He did, without going into details. He realized medicine wasn't his true calling. She nodded in understanding, but he didn't hear that from me. He added firmly, Oh, I never tell people things I know. She replied easily, smiling. I work for a lawyer. He chuckled, do tell. He's something of a fire eater, but he's next to me. He's nice to me. He practices criminal law back in Jacobsville, Texas. He put the medical equipment to one side and told her she could get dressed. I'm going to put you on some antibiotics to fight off infection. He studied her with narrowed eyes. What you've been through is traumatic. He added as he handed her the prescription. I'd advise counseling. Right now, she said on a long breath, I'm occupied with just trying to stay alive. The drug dealer is still after me. See, his jaw taunted. Micah will take care of you. I know that. She stood up and smiled like Cindy. Thanks. Shook her hand from Thank you. Thank nothing of it. We brilliant medical types feel obligated to minister to the masses. <laughs> oh, for, oh, for God's sake. Micah groaned as he entered the room over here in his friend. Dr. Chandler gave him a look full of frowning mockery. And aren't you lucky that I don't have, have to examine you today? We're leaving right now. He took Callie by the head. Give the other man room. Thanks. Anytime. You take care. You do the same. Callie was herded out the door. But the bill? She protested. Then she put her out of sight, pull, put her out of sight door, and drew her into the vehicle that was waiting for them with the engine running. Already taken care of. Let's get to the airport. Callie settled in the seat, still worried. I don't have anything with me. She said in this really No papers, no clothes, no shoes. I told you. Maddie got all that together. It will be waiting for us at the airport, along with tickets and the boarding passes. What if Lopez has people there waiting for us? She poured in. We also have people waiting there for us. Pongo said from the front seat. Miami is our safest domestic port. Okay, she said and smiled at him. She smiled, but Michael and Bongo exchanged a complicated glance. Bongo turned his attention back to the road and didn't say another word all the way to the airport. Callie understood. Michael didn't want her getting too friendly with his people. She didn't take offense. She was used to rejection for so many years in foster care. She only shrugged and looked out the window. Watching palm trees and colorful buildings slide past as they wove through side streets and back onto the expressway. The airport was crowded. Micah caught her by the arm and got her past the ticket counter on the way to the concourse. 
fight, she protested. Don't argue, just walk through the metal detector. She followed close behind her. Neither of them was carrying anything metallic, but Michael was stopped when a security woman passed a wand over the two of them, and her detective picked up the residential gunpowder on his hands and clothing. The woman looked at her instrument, then at him with a very suspicious glance. He smiled lazily, the uniformed woman holding the wand. I'm on my way to a regional skeet shooting tournament. He lied good. Set my guns on the head of my express. Unassembled. Can't be too careful these days where firearms are connected. Concerned. He had to catch him Callie's hand in. Right, honey? He remembered softly drawing her close. To Callie's credit, she did faint at the unexpected feel of Micah's arm around her, but she tingled from head to toe, and her heart went wild. <laughs> The airport security woman seemed to relax, and she smiled back. She assumed, as Micah had intended, that he and Callie were her involved. Indeed, you can't. Have a good trip. Micah kept that long, muscular arm around Callie as he walked slowly down the concourse. He looked down, noting the erratic rhythm of her heartbeat at her neck, and he smiled to himself. You have lightning quick reflexes, he remarked for a minute. I noticed that in Cancun. You didn't argue, you didn't question anything I told you to do, and you moved almost as fast as I did. You're good company in tight corner. She shrugged. When you came in through the windows, I didn't know who you were because of that face mask. Actually, she confessed with a super smile. At first, I figured you were a rival drug dealer, but I had high hopes that you might be kind enough to just kill me and not torture me at first if I didn't resist. <laughs> he drew in a sharp breath. The arm holding her contracted with her. Strange attitude, Kelly. He remarked. Not at the time, not to me anyway. She shivered at the memory and felt his arm tight, and almost protectively they were out of earshot and sight of the scared. Her. Micah, what was that wand she was checking us with? It detects nitrates, usually. With it, they can tell if a passenger has had any recent contact with weapons or explosives. She was keenly aware of his arm still holding her close against his one pound warning. You can. You can uh, let go now. She's out of sight. He didn't really. Don't look. But there's a security guard with two-way radio about 15 feet to your right. He smiled down, and I'll give you three guesses who was on the other end of it. She smiled back when it didn't reach right. The lady with the nitrate wand. We're psyching them out, right? He searched her eyes for a few seconds. He's up. Psyching them out. He murmured his gaze felt. We're softening up. Exactly. She couldn't quite get a breath. His expression was unreadable, but his black eyes were glinting. He watched her blouse shake with the frantic rate of her heartbeats. He was remembering mistletoe and harsh words, and that same looking Callie soft eyes and aching need to be kissed that made her look so very vulnerable. What the hell? He murmured roughly as he bit back. It's an airport. People are saying hello and goodbye everywhere. His warm, hard mouth covered hers very gently while the sound of people in transit all around him faded to a dull roar. His every bros drew together in something close to anguish as he began to kiss her, fascinated by his expression, by the warm, adherent pressure of his mouth and hers. She closed her eyes tight and fantasized that it, he meant it, that he wasn't pretending for the benefit of security guards, that he was enjoying the soft, tremendous response of her lips to the teasing, expert pressure of him. Boss, they didn't hear the gruff whisper. It was followed by a loud clearing of the throat and a cough. They didn't hear that either. Callie was on tiptoe now, her short nails digging into the hard muscles of his arms, hanging on to Micah's slow, tender kiss, a little more than willpower. So afraid that he was going to pull away. Micah, the voice said shortly. Micah's head jerked up. For a few seconds, he seemed as disoriented as Callie. <laughs> they were blankly at the dark-haired man in front of him. 
The man was sitting in a small case where her papers and clothes and shoes and stuff. The man said, Now toward Callie, clear his throat again. Manny had me fly. Them over here. Thanks, Bongo. <sighs> the big dark man nodded. He stared with open curiosity. Callie, Miss Bongo. It was my pleasure. He said, glancing again at Micah, making an odd little gesture with his head in Callie's direction. <sighs> this is Callie Kirby. Micah said, surely I'd. My stepsister. <laughs> the big man's eyebrows were, oh, I mean, eyes open. She wasn't a real sister. I mean, the way you were kissing her and all. He flushed and laughed subconsciously. Mike glared at him. Callie was scarlet looking everywhere except that's a newcomer. Miss your flight out of here. Mike said, pointing. What? Oh, yeah. You could have got I'm Pongo. I'm from St. Augustine. I used to wrestle alligators. And so Mike here gave me a job. I'm sort of a bodyguard, you know. You're going to be an unemployed bodyguard in 20 seconds if you don't merge with the crowd. Mike said, Corley. Oh, well, sure. Bye now. He told Callie with an ear to ear smile. She smiled back. He was like a big teddy bear. She was sorry they wouldn't get to know each other. Bongo almost fell over his own feet as he turned jerky. Both busy eyebrows. Bush, both. <laughs> as he turned jerky, both bushy eyebrows at his boss before he melted into the crowd. Finished. Stop doing that, Mikey said coldly. He looked at him and like, doing what? Smiling at men like that. These men aren't used to it. Don't encourage them. Parted on a shaky breath. She looked at him as if she feared for a Them? She echoed it. Bongo, Peter. Bonjo, Peter, and Pongo, he said, moving restlessly. He was jealous. God knew why. It irritated him. Come on. He moved away from her, catching her hand tightly and pulling her along with him. And don't be. Don't read anything into what just happened. He added coldly without looking at it. Why would I? She asked honestly. You said it was just for appearances. I haven't forgotten how you feel about me, Micah. He stopped and stared gently down into her eyes. His own were narrow, angry, impatient. Where her heart, where anyone could see it, her vulnerability made him protective. Odd that when she was tough enough to survive captivity by Lopez and still kept her nerve during a bloody breakout. I don't have a clue how I feel about you, he said involuntarily. His fingers locked closer in hers. I'm 36. You're barely 22. The sort of woman I prefer is sophisticated and street smart and has no qualms about sex. You're still at the kissing and park car stage. Deep blushes are not. I don't kiss people in park cars because I don't date anybody. She told him with blunt honesty, I can't leave Dad alone in the evenings. Besides, too many, too many men around Jacobs will remember my mother and think I'm like her. Her face did potentially, including you. He didn't speak. There was a little softness left in him after all the violent years. But she was able to touch some last sensitive place with her sweet voice. When guilt ran over her, yes, he compared her to her mother that Christmas. He said harsh, cruel things. He regretted them, but there was no going back. His feelings about Callie unnerved him. She was the only weak spot in his armor that he'd ever known. And what good thing and what a good thing that she didn't know that, he told himself. You don't know. You don't know what was really going on that night, Callie. He said after a minute. She looked up at him. Don't you think it's time I did? She asked softly. Told with her fingers, causing ripples of pleasure to run on. Why not? You're old enough to hear it now. He glanced around them cautiously before he looked at her again. 
you're wearing an emerald velvet dress that night, the same one you wore to your 18th birthday party. They were watching a movie while you finished decorating the Christmas tree. You see the absence. You just picked, you just bent over, pick up an ornament when I came in the room. The dress had a deep neckline. You weren't wearing a bra under it, and your breasts were visible in that position, right to the nipples. You looked up at me, <laughs> and your nipples were suddenly hard. She gaped at him. The comment about her nipples was disturbing, but she had no idea what he meant by emphasizing them. I had no idea. I was showing like that. <laughs> I didn't realize that, not at first. He held her fingers saying, You saw me and came right up against me, drowned me in the floral perfume you wore. You stood on tippy toe, like you did a minute ago, trying to tip me into kissing you. She wrote her marriage that He said terrible things. The sight of you like that had aroused me passionately. He said, frankly, nodding when her shot eyes showed her face. That's right, and I couldn't let you know it. I had to make you keep. I had to make you keep your distance. Not an easy accomplishment after the alcohol you had, which, technically, your mother should have been shot. It was illegal for her to let you drink, even at home, anyway. I read you the riot act, pushed you away, and walked down the hall, right into your mother. She recognized immediately what you hadn't even noticed about my body, and she thought it was the sight. Of her and that silky silver dress that it costed. So she buried herself against me and started kissing me. You let out anger, but father saw us like that before I could push her away. And I couldn't tell him the truth because you were just barely 18. I was already 32. The bitterness in his deep voice was blatant. She didn't feel herself freely. She'd only been 18 and he wanted her. She never realized it. Everything that didn't make sense was suddenly crystal clear except that comment about his body told her what her mother had seen and recognized about him she he never told me you were a child Callie he said only in some ways you still are I was never low enough to take advantage of your innocence she was almost vibrating with the turmoil of her emotions she didn't know what to do or say he drew in a long slow breath said, come on he said tugging her along we have to move or we'll miss for flight he had it Handed her the case and indicated later it changed. I'll wait right here. She nodded. Her mind was in such turmoil that she changed into jeans and a long sleeve neat shirt, socks, and sneakers without paying much attention to what was in the small travel case. She didn't take time to look in any of the compartments because he said to hurry. She glanced at herself in the mirror and was glad she had short hair they could do without a brush. Despite all she'd been through, it didn't look too bad. She'd have to buy a brush when they got where they were going, along with makeup and other toiletries, but that could wait. Mike was propped up on the wall when she came out. He nodded, proving what Maddie had picked for her. Took the case. Here, he said, passing her a small plastic bag. Inside were makeup, a brush, toothpaste, toothbrush, and deodorant. She almost got at the top of it. Hey, she said huskily. Michael pulled the tickets and boarding passes out of his shirt pocket. Get out your driver's license birth certificate, he said. We have to have a photo ID to board. She felt momentarily panicked. My birth certificate is in my file at home, and my driver's license is still in my purse in my car. He laid a lean forefinger across the pretty mouth, slightly swollen from the hard contract of his. Your car is at your house, and your purse is inside it, and it's locked up tight. I told Maddie to put your birth certificate and your driver's license in the case. Have you looked for them? No, I didn't. She paused, putting the case down on the carpeted concourse for it open. Sure enough, her driver's license was in a zipped compartment that she hadn't looked in when she was in the bathroom. Beside that was the unknown Maddie. 
had actually put her makeup and jewelry inside as well in a plastic bag. She could have wept at the woman's thoughtfulness, but she wasn't going to tell Micah and made him feel uncomfortable that he already bought her those things. She closed it quickly and stuck her license in her jean pockets. Does Maddie really look like me? She asked on the way to the ticket counter, trying not to sound as if she minded. He said they resembled one another. At a distance, he wanted. Her hair is shorter than yours, and she's more muscular. She was a karate instructor when she signed on with me. She's 26. Karate? Black belt, he added. He seems to be very efficient, she murmured a little stiffly. He gave her a knowing glance that she didn't see and chuckles on it. She's in love with Kobe Lane, a guy I used to work with at the Justice Department. He told her she signed on with us because she thought he was going to. He didn't, he said. He's working for Pierce Hutton's outfit as a security chief, along with Tat Winthrop, an acquaintance of mine. Oh. They were at the ticket counter now. He held out his hand for a driver's license birth certificate and presented them along with his driver's license and passport, the tickets to the agency agent on duty. Put the tickets in a neat folder with the boarding passes and a slot on the outside, checked the ID, and handed them back. Have a nice trip, she told them. We'll be boarding in just a minute. Kelly hadn't looked at her boarding pass. She was too busy trying to spot Bongo and Peter and the others. They're already en route. Micah told her nonchalantly, having guessed why she was looking around her. They aren't going with us. He gave her a glance. Somebody had to bring my boat back. I left it here in the marina when I flew out to Jacobsville to help Epscott and Side Park shut down Lopez's drug operation. It's still there. Why couldn't we have gone on the boat, too? You get seasick, he said before he thought. Her lips fell open. She only been on a boat once with him and her mother and stepfather when she was 16. They got to San Antonio and sailed down the river on a tour boat. She got very sick and thrown up. It had been Micah who looked after her to his father's abusement. She hadn't even remembered the episode until, his, until he said that. She didn't get seasick now, but she got fine. Besides, he had an appointment in person since there. If Lopez does shot at anything, it won't be on it. An international flight out of the U.S. He's in enough trouble with the higher-ups in his organization without making an assault on a commercial plane just to get even for losing a prisoner. She relaxed a little because that had been on her mind. He took her arm and she went toward a small door where a uniformed man was holding a microphone. He announced that they were boarding first-class passengers first. Mike ushered her right down the ramp into the plane. First class? He said, Dave, as he eased her into a white comfortable seat with plenty of leg room even for a man of his height there's enough of it always he murmured i don't like print places she fastened her seatbelt with a weary smile considering the size of you i can't under i can understand that micah what about that she had to assume that she was still relaboring the point Maddie's got him under surveillance. When Bongo goes back, he'll work a split shift with her at your apartment to save them. Eb and Si are keeping their eyes out as well. I promise you, Dad's going to be safe. He hesitated, searching the white pillow blue eyes. But you're the one in danger. Because I got away. She agreed not. You seem worried. His dark eyes now on her face. Lopez doesn't lose prisoners ever. You're the first. You're the first. Someone is going to pay for that. He'll make an example of the people who didn't watch you closely enough. Then he'll make an example of you and me, if he can, to make sure his reputation doesn't suffer. She shivered involuntarily. It's a nightmare that would haunt her forever. She remembered what she'd suffered already, and her eyes closed on a helpless baby for her talk. You're going to be safe, Callie. Listen, he said, reading her. 
I live on a small island in the Bahamas chain, not too far from New Providence. I have a state-of-the-art surveillance equipment and a small force of mercenaries that even Lopez would hesitate to confront. Lopez isn't the only one who has a reputation in terror circles. Before I put together my team and hired out as a professional program, I worked for the CIA. Her eyes white. She hadn't known that. She hadn't known anything about it. They approached me while I was in college before I changed my course and studied medicine. I was already fluent in French and Dutch, and I picked up German in my sophomore year. Couldn't blend in very well in an Arabic country. But I could pass for German or Dutch, and I did. During holidays and vacations, I did a lot of traveling for the company. He smiled reminiscent. It was dangerous work and exciting. By the time I was in my last year of residency, I knew for a fact that I wouldn't be able to settle down into a medical practice. I couldn't live without the danger. That's when I left school for good. She was hanging on every word. It was amazing to have him speak to her as an equal. As an adult, they never really talked before. I wonder. I wonder. She said, why did you keep it up? He stretched his long legs out in front of him and crossed his arms over his broad chest. I had the skills, but as I grew older, the less I wanted roots or anything that hinted at permanence. I don't want marriage or children. So a steady, secure profession seems superfluous. On the other hand, being a mercenary is right up my alley. I live for those surges of adrenaline. None of us ever knew about that. <laughs> she said absently, tried not to let him see how hurt it, to know that he couldn't see a future as a husband and father. Now that she knew what he really did for a living, she could understand why he was never going to be a family man. We thought it was the trust your mother left you that kept you in Armani's suit. Armani's suit. She added us up to do it. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I like my lifestyle. He added with a pointing lance in her direction. Stretched lazily, pulling the silk shirt he was wearing to across the muscles of his chest. Flight attendant actually hesitated as she stared down the aisle, hopelessly drinking in the side of him. He was a dish, all right. Callie didn't blame the other woman for staring, but the flight attendant had blonde hair, blue eyes, and she was lovely. Her beauty was like a knife in the ribs to Callie, pointing out all the physical attributes she herself lacked. She always she'd been pretty, she told herself miserably. Maybe I would have wanted more than an occasional kiss from her. Would you care for another? Anything to drink, sir? The flight attendant asked, smiling joyfully as she passed by Mike's side. Scotch and soda, he told her, he smiled joyfully. It's been a long day. Colin, right up. The woman said it went out. I want to see it the order. Colin noticed that she hadn't been asked if she wanted anything. I wonder what Michael would say if she asked for a neat whiskey. Probably nothing. She told herself miserably. He might have kissed her in the airport, but he only seemed irritated by her now. Flight attendant was back with his drink. She glanced blatantly at Callie. Sorry, she told the other woman. I didn't take to ask you if you'd like something, too. Callie shook her head. No, I don't want anything. Thanks. Are you stopping in Aussie or just passing through? The woman asked Michael boldly. He gave her a lingering appraisal. Her long, elegant legs, her full breast, and her face right. I live there. Really? Her eyes lit up as they concealed by her. So do I. Then you must know Lizette Dupinet. He said, Dupinet's uniform woman repeated frowning. Isn't it Father Jack Dupinet, the French ambassador? Yes, he said. Lizette and I have known each other for several years. We're very good friends. The flight attendant looked suddenly uncomfortable and a little flushed. Michael was telling her in a nice way that she overstepped her introduction. He smiled to soften the rejection, but it was rejection just the same. Mr. Bet is very lovely, the flight attendant said with a pleasant and more smile. If you need anything else, just ring. I will. She went on down the aisle. Finally, Callie was staring out the window at the ocean. 
without any real enthusiasm. She hated her own reaction to the news that Michael was involved with some beautiful woman in Nazi, and not only a beautiful woman, but a boy, sophisticated. That's her. He'll like Lisa. He said to Carrie, I'll ask her to go shopping with you. You'll have to have a few clothes. <laughs> she has excellent taste. Complained that Callie had none at all. Her heart felt like iron in her dress. That would be nice, she said. Lines are I won't need much, though. She had it thinking about her small. Seems like you may be there longer than a day or two, he said in a careful, mutual voice. You can't wear the same clothes day in and day out. Besides, he added quickly. By the time you learn how to dress like a young lady instead of an elderly recluse. <laughs> End of chapter 4.